Hey, I'm Zach Tan. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a celebration of the photographers who have dedicated their lives to pushing boundaries and uncovering the beauty in the everyday. We'll explore the journeys that brought them here, from their humble beginnings to the pivotal moments that shaped their artistic vision. This is Picturing Conversations. Nikki is a father, a husband, and a storyteller. I've always been a huge fan of his works because they felt intimate to me. Being a two-time cancer survivor, he prides himself in creating works that puts people and emotions first. Apart from experiencing life as a photojournalist with Reuters, he has also directed and photographed for a myriad of clients such as Nike, Singapore Tourism Board, McDonald's, and more. And now in your own terms, who is Nikki Lo? <laughs> wow, I... I never knew your voice was so sexy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nikki is, uh, uh, well, Nikki at first started uh, faking it until he made it. <laughs> uh, now I'm not sure, quite sure whether I've made it yet, but uh, I, 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 am, I, I am a photographer. I am a director. Mm. Uh, I do a lot of uh, commercial works for right. a living, for the mm-hmm. money, because the money is good. Yep. Uh, but uh, deep down inside, I I, I, I just really like uh, telling stories and uh, and through through the visual medium la. So mm. photography happened to be one of the 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 and and, and film yeah. happened to be one of the the mediums that I, I could utilize to tell stories and to to have fun with. So uh, that's that's how I, I came about la. Mm. Yeah. I think the fact that you started off saying <laughs> you fake it till you make it. Uh, why do you say that? You know, like, 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 it sounds like you have some kind of history that, you know, that wasn't so, so fun or it was a bit adverse. It was tough. Like, how was, you know, your journey so far? Like, when you first picked up a camera? And- um, well, I mean, uh, I started photography when I was 18. Uh, back then, I was, that was 1999, man, 98. And it yeah, was- I was uh, just born, man. <laughs> really? 96. <laughs> no, no shit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, film cameras, lah. So I had to, yeah. I covered like, um, so how I started was I wrote for Teens Magazine. It's not it's no longer around. Mm. Teens Magazine. <laughs> and no, then- Not even teenage, right? Teens. I don't know, man. Teens, teenage, uh, one of those two, lah. Yeah. And uh, they're not around anymore. And they, they used to get me, I, lo- I love music. So they used to get me to interview bands. So I interviewed bands from the 90s, like uh, Silverchair and Incubus. And I, I, wow. I met people like that. And then I wrote a thousand word articles, um, both based on their new albums. And, and uh, that was my part-time job in school. Lah. Uh, they also told me to take pictures and then for the article for 1000 words they made me they gave me $100 for the uh, for one picture they also paid me $100 oh, oh my God. so in the end I decided like I didn't want to write anymore I just wanted to take one picture and, and yeah. that $100 um, so that's how I started uh, but of course uh, fake it till you make it why I say that because a lot of us as photographers we we sometimes um go into the set and then we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very true. It's very true. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, yeah. and we we probably are the best 
uh, fakers, the best salesmen. At bushy thing. Yeah, yeah, at bushy thing. And then sometimes like good magic happens on the set and then like, oh, okay, shit, I created this and uh, that's a <laughs> lucky accident uh, and then yeah. we embrace it. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but that's the life of a photographer. And then, you know, if you get too high level, it gets boring. Mm, yeah. So, so um, I, I really do embrace that, that faking it to making it and learning process mm. when you are a photographer and yeah. or a director. Yeah. Mm. I think, Actually, it's true. La. Like, to a certain extent, recently somebody told me that it's everyone's first goal at doing something. Like, you know, it's everyone's first time being a father. It's everyone's first time, uh, I don't know, be, being being on this set, this specific set and shooting a certain set of images. So, yeah, to a certain extent, I myself, I fake it till I make it. La. And I same as you, I don't know whether we've all made it yet, but we're, we're trying and I think it's the right direction. So, that's more important. Mm, that's but right. I think speaking of, like, your past, uh, you know, photography back then and photography now, I assume it's going to be quite different, right? Like from film to digital and all that. Like how, do you have an earliest memory of you and a camera other than, you know, shooting for teen? Anything just for yourself or fun? Uh, so my first project was, uh, uh, well, my first real project that I thought was a real series was to document my grandma. Uh, at that time, she had like uh, dementia and I knew that she was going to like not live long yeah. Uh, and she would forget about us. And I wanted to just, uh, I knew about dementia. So I just wanted to photograph her while she was livid. She recognized me, the way she looks at me and capture those kind of emotions through her eyes. And that turned out to be my first uh, series that I, I, I submitted for my photogen assignment, wow. final assignment. And uh, yeah, then I'm, glad, I'm glad I did that because those were, it forced me to interact with her and talk to her and spend time with her to shoot, to photograph her and, um uh I realized that from from then on then then photography to me was uh, very uh, played a significant a significant part in documenting my mm. my life and yeah. uh the people around me and that, that that's why it's important mm. like, yeah actually I always feel that it's a very good like um excuse to like talk to people and like you know because when you're actually trying to speak to somebody like, you know, let's say your your grandma or even for me, like for my dad. Because, you know, dad and son, there's always that kind of like wall between us, right? Yeah, so yeah. when I shot a series of pictures or videos about him, because he's an ice cream seller, a traditional ice oh, cream man. okay. Yeah, so I took that as a way to kind of celebrate his profession. So while doing so, you know, I realized that, well, I found out more about him within that three days than I've ever did in, in, in my life. So mm. I feel that it's actually quite a good excuse Yep. Yeah. I, I think photography is a good medium to connect yourself with um, things you w wouldn't usually do. Yeah. <laughs> and force yourself. Yeah. Mm, so that. So you mentioned that you studied. F uh, I sorry. I did mass comm. Oh, you did mass comm. Yeah, or? I did mass comm. Uh, but I we had one course in photojournalism. It was black and white, uh, mm. and we had to develop our, our own film and oh. print our own photos. That kind of old school stuff. Um, but when I but when I went into army because I had a portfolio of photography from yeah. magazines and I also uh, did a lot of work and then I was passy uh, because I was injured. Mm. Uh, yeah. Then Mindef picked me up as an army photographer. Wow, that's yeah. Like for, a so dream so I did photography for the army for two years. We traveled to like 
places like New Zealand. It was really not bad. Right. I was a corporal, but I wore plain clothes and people, I go into camp, people just like, hey, hello, hi, sir. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, okay, sure. Then, um, so yeah, then after after army, I, I joined Reuters because I had an army portfolio right. also, which was quite nice and everything all worked out. Well, it felt like a very nice natural progression of things, uh, right? Like, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you that um, photography wasn't my first choice of profession. <laughs> really? So what was your first choice of profession? <laughs> I wanted to be a radio DJ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is close. <laughs> okay, like so us right now. So yeah, yeah. So funny story is that my batchmate, my class, uh, my schoolmate lah, same batch. Uh, he went into army same time as me. Also, is Justin Ang. Uh. So he went to Power ninety eight for his NS. Yep. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Which was the gig I kind of wanted lah. Like, but yeah. uh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm glad that. I think things happened for a reason. I became mm. a photographer. I became a director. He yeah. became a very famous DJ. He's still very famous mm. now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it was like shooting, you know, cause it's, cause it sounds like it's almost something that you picked up because, you know, it was paying you quite decent. And I, I mean, let's be realistic. Like when we were all starting out, we all wanted extra cash and all that. So, but from there, you know, things just kind of took off and you use those port portfolio for Army and then Army for Reuters. And Reuters is not a, I, I mean, they're a very big agency. Mm. So how was the Reuters ex experience? Do you remember your first ever assignment with them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were in Taiwan, uh, right? Was no, no, no. I was uh, first base in Singapore. So right. um, long story short was that when I left Army, um, I had crossroads to whether to go into fashion photography, editorial photography, commercial photography mm. also. Uh, under a uh, commercial photographer, I can't remember his name, uh, but uh, I I really like Jeff Ang, who yeah. later turned out to be my mentor. Mm. And then I also watched a film by James Natchway called The War Photographer. It was during the Singapore Film Festival way back then also. Oh, so I that was, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, they, they put a camera on his camera. And then, and basically he's this guy who has like depression from covering all these wars and mm. uh, he's been to like Serbia. Wow. Uh, and uh, He's seen a lot of terrible stuff. Yeah. And he was even in New York when 911 hit. So mm. like, like he was just like staying uh, in yeah. in US just nice. So uh, he's got depression and his wife left him and 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 I said, I want to be like that. I want to yeah. be a war photographer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I want to uh, go to Afghanistan and Iraq and all that. And, right. and, 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 and so I, I decided to join Reuters instead of doing fashion. Um, then Reuters, um, my first assignment was actually just an interview of a CEO of some oil company. So right. super boring. Hmm. Uh, but I remember being so excited because it was my first byline with a Reuters name and the Nick Nicky Low there and yeah. I, I, I shot um the shit out of like those headshots man. I mm. really shot the shit. Yeah. And any what well, like shot like mirror Wait. reflection uh Wait, wow. later. Yeah yeah <laughs> no and then close ups uh wow. eyes close up mirror reflection hand gesturing and you know well wow. then uh behind the back uh, whatever I could think of I uh, you mm. know and and uh that 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 true and excitement of your first assignment for such a big company was 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 real lah. Yeah, yeah. You know. But do you feel that the outcomes were something that you're still very proud of until today? Like uh, I mean, I still remember the adrenaline of of that that was assignment. It on film that was no longer on film. Uh, no, no, already? digital. It was. Okay. Yeah. Then back then, I think I, I shot on like a. 5D Mark One, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, classic. And then you cannot go past ISO six four hundred or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Oh and anyway, <laughs> it's weird. Back it then. works, it works. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
I, I don't really like the pictures, lah, but I mm. mean, the, I remember the, the feeling that it was great. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and it's not often you get to feel that way in mm. life, you know. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's many projects where, you know, sometimes, sad to say, lah, but, you know, you're just doing it and just completing it and then on to the next <laughs> one, right? But yeah, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. So when I was introducing you earlier, I used the term storyteller because I think, you know, like you're a father first, you're a family man first, but you're also a storyteller. And, do you resonate with the term storyteller? Do you think that's 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 a term that's big enough to encapsulate who you are essentially? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I always tell people that I'm a uh, part-time photographer, part-time di- director, mm. full-time dad, <laughs> full-time family <laughs> Means man. Means I got it right. <laughs> yes, very, very, very true. Um, but the storytelling part uh, really comes from my background in, in journalism and in writers and my, my interest in documentary. Mm. Um, I later left documentary because I, I thought I wanted, uh, I've been there, la. I mean, Reuters is fast news. So we're yeah. usually in and out very fast of a, like a, like a scene of a disaster. Yeah. Like I'm, I went for some earthquakes, um, uh, projects. I'm in and out in a week and yeah. I feel like I didn't even meet the people. I felt like I made made use of the people in my shots. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, because yeah. I didn't spend enough time with them to know who they are. And I thought like to myself, I want to do projects that I, I spend longer time with my subjects and get intimate with them. This connection, right? Correct, correct, mm. correct. Because if I'm just in and out and like tick, 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 and then, mm. yeah, so what if it appears on New York Times or what? But, you know, I, I feel a bit, I felt a bit hollow then. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so I felt like uh, that form of documentary was making use of people, right. fast news, mm. and and that kind of and it didn't help them anyway in any sense yeah. or so. And people usually just forget the next next few days. Yeah. So um, uh, I decided to progress on to different kind of kind of like storytelling mm. where in my own terms, lah. Yeah. yeah. I still rem- remember watching one of your ads. Uh, it's with Great Eastern if I'm not wrong it's the one with the I don't want to miss a thing <laughs> yes. as, as the soundtrack so I think that was one of the very first uh, piece of work that I've seen from, oh, really? <laughs> from you or from your website or, yeah because so, so I actually found out about you from from uh, one of my friends uh, my very close friend so he's like uh, he's the owner of this agency uh, and then he introduced your work to me because he said that you know uh, Zach your work reminds me a lot of you know, like this storytelling person that I've always been in love with. Uh, uh-huh. And then and then that's you. Oh. So, uh, then, so I went on to do my research. That was, wow, I think two to, maybe two and a half years back, two years back. And then I saw quite a, quite a crazy amount of work. And <laughs> you felt like somebody that could do almost all sorts of like genres, right? Because you've done mm, things mm. with like, you know, sports and then you have Singapore Tourism Board. And then you've even done like, director films for you know Great Eastern insurances and stuff like that so mm-hmm. how do you then juggle between all these dif- different hats like how do you even get the research right and yeah uh, I think uh, first and foremost um, you gotta have that personal touch into that that project whatever project that comes your way um, after my cancer I felt like I, I really need to needed to relate to it be it even if it's commercial or what, I need I needed to feel passionate about it because mm. if not, I, I feel like I'm w- just wasting my time and I'm not helping you much or so if I, I'm not passionate. So if I see it, I'm, I'm quite lucky that when I see a brief, uh, I 
one either I like it uh, or I don't like it. If mm. I don't like it, I reject it. Yep. And I'm also lucky in a sense where <laughs> most of the time when I see creative briefs thrown at me and then I hey, like this idea is quite cool. I'm, I'm quite interested and I, I'm passionate about it. So whatever projects I take, I'm, I'm passionate. I wouldn't take up a project that I, I don't feel passionate about. Mm. And and also, I, like I said, I'm very lucky because everything that comes at me seems to be towards my kind of style of yeah. storytelling and they mm. chose me because of that. So I, it's not like um, when I was starting out, I had to, my first commercial project was shooting 600 products for Cold Storage Catalog, you know, and Edge Out. 600. Yeah. Wow. And they, they told me I had to puff it. I couldn't use Magic Wand. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then you did all the retouching for yourself. Yeah. Okay. I, I, had to, I had to etch out all 600 products. The, and I, I the, the one that made me cry was, and I really cried, was the etch out a fan with spokes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, and, and, and also, I, I just want to admit, I always thought that you were the same Zach from Rice Media. No. Yeah. yeah that, and so I thought, like, hey, that Zach from Rice Media, his photo photos are. I read, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen your photos as well. Yeah. So, so I, I, I must say that. Oh, your your style is something that um, uh, is is like what I like, but it's like a, a different, totally different style, and it's so nice and so fresh mm. and refreshing. How you you capture people uh, on the streets or so. So yeah. I, I, to me, to be honest, I also learn from your photos, you know, mm. and I, I, I try to emulate a little bit. But the yeah. feeling is always different, lah. Yeah. And plus, plus, you use film, like I use my yeah. iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but thanks for saying that, like, because I think everyone, to be frank, everyone's <laughs> just kind of drawing like inference, inferences and references from each other. So I think that's also the beauty of this whole medium. Yes, and yes. all that, like, so, I, to be honest, what I truly enjoy the most about your your works is just the amount of heart that I, that I can see, see inside it. And so I try to do that for, for my own as well. But it's not easy because not every project can, you know, can allow you to kind of de- like pour no your man. Into it, yeah. Right? yeah. So then you've also mentioned that, you know, you've went from uh, doing photography to film and directing. How was, you know, how do you even get there in the first place? Like directing a film? Because it's quite a different cap ah. to wear, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Um, so I've I've always been a big fan of film and mm. I've always wanted to try directing. Uh, it just happened that photography seemed like more of my cup of tea in yeah. terms of uh, visual mm. visual style because I was in Reuters. I, yeah. I, 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 and, and, and then when I started doing commercial work, uh, a lot of, uh, a few producers came up to me and said, hey, Nikki, why don't you try directing? You're quite good with people, talking to real people and, and directing them and like, Hmm, actually that that's quite interesting. Yeah. And actually my background in film came from uh way back in the nineties or so when I was a kid. Um on Channel 5 they would show horrors, uh, horror movies at eleven uh, PM. Yeah. Uh I so uh I had free reign to watch TV all night. La. Mm. I usually slept around two 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 AM. Yeah. So uh I grew up watching those horror movies and those were like really freaking B grade horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> And then they saw sometimes they even, but it was good enough, right? It was good. It was good. I love them, man. And sometimes they wouldn't sh- show like uh, breasts, you know. Yeah. On Channel Five, then like I, this, this Channel Five people must not know what they are showing. <laughs> they really don't care that they are showing these horror movies yeah. and people getting decapitated. And Channel Five, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So back then it was back then the, censorship wasn't as. No, I think they just missed it. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I Possible thought. Too. So I, like just as a kid, I just was like, waiting for the breasts to come out. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but horror movies were where I learned was where I learned my filmmaking, and and yeah. I learned that horror movies are actually the most 
uh, efficient and budget way of filmmaking but they are they are very effective also mm. because they scare the shit out of people yeah and um so uh, actually uh i i want i really want to do a horror film mm. uh, myself also and yeah. i've also dabbled in horror short films uh myself oh. for my personal work also which mm. are i mean you can share that later also like yeah, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. That's that's a good point because I because you know I've spoken to a lot of like directors and all, but I've never heard someone saying that they they are really inspired by horror films. But now that you talk about it, right, actually it makes sense because pacing is the most important thing in horror film. Right? Like yeah, you, yeah. you gotta catch people where they are least expecting it. And you know, we all when I'm watching horror films, I'm always trying to guess. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. is it gonna happen? When is it gonna happen? But they always tend tend to fuck me up because. I'll so, get surprised. Like. So when I uh, I had this project with my wife when she was pregnant and then I had uh, like a loud period of uh, three, four months where I didn't do any work. Yeah. Uh, just just happened to be loud. Uh. Then I I, I I wrote this uh, story about uh, for my wife because she she's, she was an actress or so. Yeah. Uh, so the story was about like a, just a simple story about a, a pregnant woman. She's walking home from a corridor hmm. and then she receives a text um and then that uh it's a bit inspired by scream and the text yeah. wants to like saying like hey you want to be friends and everything like that. then she like tells the person fuck off on text lah. and then next the person sends a photo of her from behind but when she turns around there's no one behind then uh the photos keep coming and it, 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 the photos keep coming closer and closer to her but, but she still not see anybody she, she turns around and she doesn't see anyone she, she starts running and everything like that wow. yeah and then she 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 goes home and then she cl- closes the door and then shuts the door and everything like that and then she's like oh i'm safe i'm safe then suddenly on the sofa there's like a handphone that ring again and then she picks up the phone and then from that handphone it's a photo of her from behind again Whoa. yeah and then she, that sounds like a very technologically advanced ghost <laughs> yeah and then as she turns around she sees the like the, the ghost in a split second and that ghost was me la. I, I did <laughs> uh, my friend did the heavy makeup for me but it wasn't even, like like six frames yeah 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 so so was that part of your passion do you consider that a passion project yeah i loved it man because so, i was shooting and editing it at the same time <laughs> so, I, so like, till today do you still indulge in a lot of like these kind of random ass projects uh, that you think i i I, I try to uh mm. but shorter already that one yeah. was quite um i shot for like uh one week uh. yeah mm. i would shoot a bit then i'll edit then i'm like hey shit, i didn't i need this uh then, yeah. again, then I ask her, can I shoot this now? Okay, okay. then we're going to go up to the corridor and shoot, shoot, shoot. And so this kind of projects, that was a very meaningful project to me also because yeah. it's just like, uh, we did it just for like no cost, man. You know? Yeah. And, mm. and the, the These thing are the is best that, projects, man. Yeah. And the thing is that it, it, it went viral, you know? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? Can you send me later? <laughs> yeah, I'll send you later. There were like close to uh, 800 shares, man, on Facebook Whoa. back then. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like super shocked. Like, how come people like this and related? And mother, Mothership uh, uh, interviewed me about it. Straits yeah. Times interviewed me. <laughs> like, well, really? Maybe I guess- it's a, No, I think it's a fact that it's not like a highly budgeted yeah, piece, right? Yeah, then yeah. people kind of feel like, oh, this is very relatable. Like, it could happen to me and correct, that's why correct. I bind to it. Right? Because when things are so like nicely done up, right? It's you know it creates correct. that wall uh, that barrier. Correct, correct. Yeah. I guess and the the gimmick was that it was done for like ten dollars or something. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Like sh- like shitty rigs, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shittyrigs.com. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but okay. So I just sort of like backtrack a little bit. Yeah, yes, So because yes, yes. you mentioned that that there was this period of lull and all that. Mm. Like, so I'm just curious to know. This is a random question, but if you're not shooting, like, what's a day in your life like? Like, like what what do you usually do? Um. Well, there's a, that's a, uh, two parts to that answer, uh, that answer. There's 
pre-cancer Nikki, which was yeah. the workaholic Nikki, and then there's post post-cancer and post that Nikki. And I now, do want to hear both. Yeah. So pre pre-cancer, pre-fatherhood, I was really a workaholic. I was always looking to do projects. That's why I came out of that project that I talked about just now. So yeah. and uh, and I'm always looking to do test shoots. I'm always wanting to improve my portfolio yeah. um, and and try, try out new stuff, you know, mm. and, and just do stuff and create works. And But the the new Nikki, or yeah. the current Nikki actually, the, not the new Nikki. Post-cancer. Uh, post mm. I, I learned that um, um, well, everything everything just, what's that term? Uh, not, nihilism is it mm. nihilistic nothing really matters yeah <laughs> it's yeah. quite at it's end quite, of the day right yeah, yeah. so i don't take my work so seriously i'm i'm still passionate but i know that my priorities now lie with my my family mm. making making sure that my kids have enough memories of me as a father mm. um and i make sure that um uh, my wife knows that I, I love her a lot or so yeah uh, because I, I, I realized that time is limited. Uh, once you've felt that touch of uh, cancer, which is close to death, hmm. then your perspective change, changes a lot yeah. um, in life. And you just see see a lot of things that are me meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very clear. It's very clear. It's, it, it's like Neo in the Matrix and suddenly he sees yeah. all these zeros and ones and in yeah. life it's very clear. You don't want to waste it's, time doing it. It's just in front of you. Yeah. yeah. So so what if you shot like this celebrity or you've done this test mm. shoot and it looks rare and, or you've been on Vogue or to me, all those things. Um, Who's remembering it, right? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. I mean, it's not remembered in <laughs> just a few weeks, right? Yeah. So to me, um, I mean, we all have different stages in our lives. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in this stage of my life right now where I felt, feel like I prioritize my, my personal health and my personal family, my family, uh, more, more than above anything else. And I'll be frank and my commercial work just sustains my lifestyle mm. that I want to have with them. Yeah. And, but that doesn't mean I'm not passionate about my commercial. Mm. It's just that I look at it from a different perspective where I'm not treating it as, uh, like a life and death thing. <laughs> priority number one yeah. right now already. Pre-cancer, pre-fatherhood, priority number one was really work, being mm. famous, being the best out there, yeah. and people knowing your work. And now priority number one is just being the best father, <laughs> being the best husband mm. And, mm. And, and doing good. And so that uh, I know that when my time comes, uh, I have not much regrets. Lah. Yeah, but there'll always be regrets. Lah. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> what is such a sad <laughs> truth? <laughs> I remember, I don't know whether it was this year or last year, you had some kind of New Year resolution thing that I saw. You actually oh. wrote point by point, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was one point, I'm not sure whether I'm getting it right, but it's something about, you know, uh, to stay cancer-free mm. this year. So, like, you know, the fact that you've uh, been through it twice, like, how's, you know, it's not something that's e easy to swallow. And, you know, if I'm being honest, there was a, so recently one of my very close Oh, relative shit. was yeah. recently diagnosed of that as well yeah, yeah. and it's also stage 2 so which is which, which was your uh, initial diagnosis as well so you know like you, you were a very uh, you know you were doing well in your own work and you know things were going great for you and then something like that happens like yeah. how do you cope with that uh, like I still remember the day and I always remember it like the day I, I was diagnosed with cancer uh, I woke up with a like a, my half my face swollen like 
like like a solemn limb note, but I look yeah. disfigured lah. Anyway, then I went to the GP. The GP told, said like uh, it's not a it's not a limb node infection. Then told me to go A and E. Then A and E, everyone looked so like depressed and nervous when they look at me. I was like, yeah. oh shit, what? But I never thought cancer would was was yeah. the the issue until um the another specialist doctor came in and he said, hey young man, um you you got any work today? Can you call in sick and cancel everything? And I said, oh I got meeting at. 2 p.m. for pre-production and I, I need, really need to be there. Can I go there then come back because I feel okay and it's very important and my shoot is tomorrow, you know, I need... And then he said, yeah, yeah, wow. young that's, man. That's still one of your old yeah. priorities at that point, right? Yeah, then I said, young man, I, you you better cancel all that because you might have cancer. Then I when I heard the word cancer, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Me, cancer, like I gym like four times a week. I don't drink, don't smoke. Yeah. Like, well, the only bad thing that I do is maybe like not sleep that much, but yeah. Well, I never expected mm. me to get like cancer at thirty eight, man, and it's life changing, lah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I was like, oh shit, how am I going to tell my wife? How am I yeah. going to uh tell my family also? And it, it, it's one of those things that you you just don't know what to do in life. Were you really a father then? Uh, I was. My kid was one and a half only, and and with the word cancer, you don't know how long you have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And he said like, hey, if we don't fix this thing, you might be gone in 30 days because it was obstructing blood flow to my brain, the tumor. Mm. That's why my face was swollen. And I'm like, wow, shit. Like 30 days, what do I do with 30 days? Yeah. And then um, instantly at that point of time, right? All the things that I like work and like, like fuck work, man. You know, like, oh yeah. shit, I didn't even kiss my boy goodbye. Yeah. When I went went to the doctor, I, I didn't... Uh, bring him uh, he he won't have a father yeah. uh, growing up and memories of me and i feel i felt guilty for not giving being able to give him this lah. so that present enough la. yeah 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 so that's why every uh like i just sent my boy to take taekwondo just now so mm. I, I i apart from uh i 80 percent of my time is spent with them now mm. yeah 20 percent at work but those 20 percent at work i i give it my best so there's 80 percent also i give it 100 percent also yeah, yeah. so you know, then after beating cancer's ass and, you know, coming back and shooting again, any kind of recollection of like how, how it felt like to finally be able to, to work again? Was it exciting or was it more <laughs> like, oh fuck, like, you know, I've rested for so long and then now. I think, uh, I think I was very scared of coming back to work, to be honest. I was really very scared. I yeah. was like, oh shit, what if this triggers my cancer again? Because mm. I had a relapse, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that relapse, I'm not sure what triggered it, but I, I had like a very bad, film shoot where like this talent this small girl refused to smile and then she yeah. she delayed us for six hours mm. and clients were looking at me for for solution i'm like i also don't know what to do yeah and we shot up to like 2 a.m at night i'm wow. like oh no i'm back to my old ways and i'm like wow i fucked up you know yeah i, I this is not it felt very like depressing almost, yeah yeah right? it's like i'm wow, so so fast back into my old ways already and then so after that that uh relapse i told myself like i really really cannot cannot be like the only key anymore yeah. be that workaholic and i need to take i need to be i need to be chill la, you know you gotta pick your battles la, not yeah yeah, yeah. Not and I, I i used to sleep thinking about <laughs> work, work. you, you do it right yeah yeah, yeah. but it's understandable yeah uh but now i, I i'm I surprisingly let go a lot. I don't, hmm. I, I, if I have something to do in terms of like a treatment or reference or what, I'll, I'll just like, 
I just do it tomorrow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Then, so, you know, um, having such an experience in life, like I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of things become a lot clearer to you now, like as, as you've mentioned too. So, if I would ask you, was there any kind of favorite photo that you've ever taken in your life, right? Like, would, would it then be something of, you know, like, would it be a commercial work or, you know, would it naturally be like a family photo that you've ever shot? Because I think for me, uh, I mean, it's pretty clear to me. Like, for, for me, it's a picture of my mom mm-hmm. that, that I've taken. So I'm curious to know, like, what's yours? Uh, I think it's different stages of my life. I had, I had different mm. favorite photos and I thought like, wow, this photo is like, so awesome but like te- technically yeah, yeah. it's perfect what yeah but then when then 10 years later you look back it's like oh my god it's like so terrible yeah <laughs> uh but i wouldn't say it's a photo but it's the the moments uh, of uh, th- those photos that i capture and i i am actually very excited when i bring my family out for holidays mm. um so it's those moments that i i, I capture uh, on holidays with them that I, I feel like are the best photos that yeah. I have. And I see, I, I you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a double whammy because I take, I take very nice photos, lighting nice and, yeah. and the subjects are happy and then it's my family and then I can also use for my portfolio. <laughs> 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 like family lifestyle stuff and, and, and it's like just good memories la, and mm. authentic, you know, not set up and uh, those, those are the kind of photos I treasure now. La. Yeah. But if you ask me like, workaholic Nike then like oh okay wow Nike I did Nike <laughs> shit you know how many people did Nike yeah uh, uh, but to me now it's like uh, yeah lah I, I it's quite superficial yeah mm. uh, not to say shooting for Nike is superficial it's just that you don't know my priorities are yeah they're very they're different, different things now. in life to yeah yeah to appreciate yeah 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 so do you shoot your family a lot then I mean the fact that you say that then how's your reaction to that uh, no, my wife hates it when I ask her to stand here, stand there, pose, and she's like, "Can you do more journalistic stuff?" I said, "I am doing journalistic candid, stuff, uh, candid. yeah, candid stuff, but I, I just need you to stand here where the light is nicer. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, half yeah. candid, yeah, half candid, and and she's like, "Ah, I just capture us when we are you now not doing posing and everything, yeah, but then you look them sway." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to help you. You mentioned that she was, like she's an actress. Like yeah, yeah. How, how do you guys even get connected in the first place? Was it on set? Was it? Uh no. So she was. Uh, she's Taiwanese. Mm. Uh, and then I was working in Taiwan for six years for Reuters. Oh, uh, Reuters is lasted for six. Yeah, years. yeah, yeah. So most of my twenties, I was in in Taiwan. Uh, but I had another girlfriend then who was Singaporean, and then she mm. we got engaged, and then she she dumped me. Just oh. four months before the wedding. Damn. Yeah. Sorry, that sucks, man. Am I? Uh, yeah. It's okay. by, bygones, bygones. Yeah, bygones. Yeah. So then after that, uh, uh, I was like freaking depressed and uh, like going after every girl that I see on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> or IG, uh, asking them, hey, you want to go out? Yeah. yeah. Then, uh, so so then just nice, I saw she updated like, oh, she just broke up with her boyfriend. Mm. I just messaged her. Just nice. Like, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to hang out sometime? <laughs> yeah. I'm free. I can go to Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then, then she said, okay. Then, mm. Yeah. So we met up and we hung out after I left Taiwan. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that was just how a, we met. That was just a bonus question that I was just curious about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We mentioned that you were in Taiwan for, you know, close to six years. Yep. 
the industry there, I mean, you, you were working with Reuters when, when you were there. Were you also doing, right. were you dabbling in commercial works there as well? Or was uh, it just fully 100% documentary? I, it was really most most of the time documentary, but mm. I did like corporate stuff also, like yeah. shots. And I also shot press conferences for mm. some companies. Uh, but uh, during my time in Taiwan, we did stuff like, um, uh, Taiwan has a lot of typhoons. So a lot of yeah. disaster, typhoon is a, annual event is like national yeah. day oh my god <laughs> so every year i cover typhoons and floods and the southern area some people who pass away or die yeah. uh, and one of the reasons why i i i left the industry also i felt like sometimes like it's quite cruel like um oh there's a flood in kaohsiung uh, yeah. did anyone die no one died okay then no need to cover you know uh, uh, or five people die okay let's go down you know mm. but one who people, gets to make the call about me or, Mm, okay. Yeah, and then I report to my my editor lah. Yeah, right. but you know if it's the news is quite cruel la. If it's not news like bad enough, nobody really cares, la, right? Mm, yeah, wow, wow. Mm, yeah. Mm. Then was there any like a very memorable image that you shot throughout that six years as a photojournalist? I mean, because that's something that I'm, you know, at my current stage, I think if you ask me what's something that's fun and. You know, I'm at that phase in life where I feel that wow, well, photojournalism is very interesting. You mm. know, shoot real things and whatnot. Yep, yep. But yeah, so just curious to know, like, what's what's a memorable moment or photo that you've ever? Um, done? I think it was like a protest, and then uh, it was like the first time some China guy came into Taiwan for the first time, uh, to visit. Like mm. the first time in many, many, many years, uh, he came to Taiwan to for official visit, and to shake hands with a Taiwan official, and and to, um, then the, the other party had like some big protests about that handshake, because <laughs> oh. they're just like not yeah. pay song that, uh, yeah. China and Taiwan are getting so chummy and everything yeah. like that. So, well, there were thousands of people in the protest, and they, I was standing beside a police officer, and mm. then I remember, like suddenly things were in the sky. It was, mm. They were rocks, you know, yeah. huge rocks. And then the guy beside me who didn't wasn't wearing a helmet, the police officer uh, had a rock hit his head and his blood started pouring. Out. And that oh. was right beside me. And that was the first time I really felt like freaking scared. And, yeah. and, and in a perverted way, I was like freaking like, yeah, this is a shit now. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. So I was like, okay, I, I shot- It's an opportunity lah. Yeah, I right. shot the guy, I shot the protesters and adrenaline rush and mm. like, this is what journal- journalism is, you know, yeah. shooting like uh, <laughs> this kind of like action yeah. uh, mm-hmm. rather than, because to be honest, Reuters, 80% of the time, we were shooting very boring shit like, yeah. like um, interviews with yeah. CEOs or the stock market mm. and or press conferences very very boring stuff yeah and this was and and not everyone gets to go to Iraq not everyone go, get, gets to go to Afghan mm. or, or, or Olympics yeah. you know that kind of stuff so to me uh, back then when I was like in my 20s that was one of my my favorite uh, defining moments la, to, mm. to, to be able to cover like a real protest that we we don't see at all in Singapore, yeah. La. yeah. As so a Singaporean, it's nuts, man, to see that kind of situation. Yeah. So was access something that's just like, do you have to find your own ac- access or way into the yeah. project? Or yeah. You you got to be super resourceful. Yeah. You just got to find your ways around it. Local fixers or just get to right. know the people, mm. and then um and then do the stories, uh. mm. But there's some some so I mean in news there's breaking news which is like the protest yeah. mm. it happens. There's spot news, which is like uh, you you kind of expected it already, and yeah. then there's the documentary part of the Reuters one. 
and then um yeah in taiwan most of it most of the news were related was related mm. to china stuff lah. if yeah. not it was like earthquakes or typhoons mm. that kind of stuff and also ting ma chiang every year we covered ting ma chiang <laughs> oh my god the go uh, red carpets kind yeah. of stuff mm. but is you know it is being a journalist or photojournalist is good training for commercial work because you learn to adapt to make everything you know any situation look nice yeah that's okay. the training that most commercial photographers might not be able to yeah. have which is also part of your fake it till you make it mantra like. that's right that's <laughs> Some, right. somehow one way or another magic has to happen correct correct it's just <laughs> yeah. like think think fast and then you know just react mm. la. yeah but when you left after the six years was it was it like a set like oh you know uh, uh, I, I, I can't bear to leave this whole uh, industry no, or no not really did you feel like okay you know this is this is the sweet spot where uh, it is enough uh, it was a sweet spot I was 30 years old I was crossroads in my life and I that year um, what really made me want to uh, call it quits was um, because I didn't really like my boss <laughs> I felt like they hope were he's not hearing this. I hope he's hearing this man <laughs> hey Paul Bucker, you're a fucking racist. <laughs> oh, anyway, shit. anyway, yeah. you, they they always send the white guys to the good mm. gigs, lah. Ah, in Reuters, Reuters is a yeah. English Canadian company, lah. Yeah. So mm. Olympics, uh, forty photographers, maybe thirty five are Caucasians. Yeah. Mm. But like, what the fuck is that, man? Yeah. Uh, then you know, um, I was supposed to go to Japan for to cover the earthquake, also Fukushima, also. Yeah. And then they 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 call it off. Then they send like another white guy and like you know fuck it i i, I had enough of this shit already yeah you're you treat the white guys better fine then I, i'm gonna do my own thing on my own mm. terms lah. yeah so that's why i left the company right and, I understand. and i'm never going back because i sent an email telling i want to fuck off but not in those exact words yeah lah. yeah 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 yeah. Mm, mm, mm. yeah so <laughs> so coming back then <laughs> commercial work became like a yeah. like the next thing for you lah. that's right okay. yeah. yeah cool yeah, yeah. then it's quite challenging, right? Because okay, because I do a bit of commercial shoots too, and you know, there's so many things to to think about to produce your pre-pro, your shooting, your post-pro. Like I, I can kind of imagine it's not the same, like as compared to your photojournalism days. Or it, do you think it's similar? Um, the process. I mean, when I came back, I was very bent on looking for a rep. Uh, representative oh, mm. uh, so back then I came back I brought back my portfolio it was mm. like like a physical file yeah oh <laughs> show people my work and then um, I show people my fashion work la, which sucks la. <laughs> and then they was like oh, Nikki I don't know what to do with your stuff man it's not good la. you know, it's not even edgy and then don't know what to do with your stuff so then yeah so I, I got a lot of that and I got rejected by a few reps in Singapore mm. and quite big ones mm. um, then uh I met uh, Jeff Ang, who yeah. was starting out his own rap company mm. for young photographers. So back then, the young photographers was me, Chuck Reyes, Alvin yeah. Tang, who were, they, Chuck is in France now, and a few yeah. other mm. guys. Uh, some of them are not shooting anymore yeah. <laughs> that, that long ago. So um, then he, he taught me the ropes. Huh? He said, like, mm. as you shoot, you can also assist me. Yeah. And actually, he only picked me up because he said, like, um, we shot of a still life photographer so would you like to learn still life so that we mm. can market you as a still life photographer i said yeah i'll do it that's why yeah that's how i got my first gig as a 
shooting cold storage 600 right. products and oh etching out and oh, that's a different kind of still life man that's yeah. not what I'm picturing <laughs> but 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 anyway I, I also practice on shooting beautiful still life like um, whiskey bottles yeah. all the effects and and, yeah. and I learned my lighting, lighting through, yeah, yeah. through that and it was a very good training also Jeff mm. was a very good teacher and I, I owe a lot to him also um, and then uh, then by accident um, he said like uh, he saw my documentary works it's yeah. like, hey, how come you never show all these works? And I say like, oh, but they're not commercial. No ma. commercial value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because back then, you know, everyone wanted that very, um, <laughs> I don't know how. Polished. Polished, yes. Polished. <laughs> yeah, polished, well lit. And yeah, then mine was very raw and uh, documentary style yeah. and real and no lighting and everything. Yeah. Then, uh, then, then he started showing agencies those kind of works, and then mm. STBs like it felt fresh, hey, Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Back then, like, ten years ago, it felt yeah. fresh. Like, hey, we we really like this kind of style. We don't want that polished, well lit kind of style where everything mm. is comped together, and and that's how how my job started rolling in. Also, and I I realized I could bank on my documentary background mm. as opposed to doing still life uh, as a as a living uh, yeah mm. and good thing I, I'm not in still life man because now AI has done still life yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> like shoot a cup you know and then imagine a cup well lit white background yeah, yeah. it's just crazy yeah but if I were to ask you then you know like this is the last question of this part that yes. I ask many of the guests and even my own personal friends that shoot right like if you could only make one last photo, and I think this question is probably something that you've maybe considered before, having experienced so many things in life. Yeah, if you could only make one last photo, what would it be? Um, How would it be shot? Yeah. Well, now my answer is going to be damn cliche, law. It's mm. a photo of my family, law. Mm. <laughs> but even though, even then, I would like just drop my camera and just like cherish that those feel last minutes of uh, mm. that I have with them uh, if it's the last photo la, I would yeah. I would drop my camera la. I would not mm. take I would just embrace that that, that last moment my, I, I have been that close to death to know that that ph photography at that point is not as important as that last moment with them la. yeah yeah. interesting that's, that's, that's actually the first time somebody said that to me really? like to not take the photo yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. okay cool 